it is Thursday, the 5th day of May, 2022. I don't know if uh, you saw, I'm guessing you saw this, but on Tuesday night, uh, Dave Chappelle was attacked on stage at the Hollywood Bowl. Uh, the video of the actual attack is short, but you can see the point where Dave uh, literally got speared and taken down. Everything after that <clears throat> is a bit more interesting, but uh, just some crazy shit. And apparently the kid caught an absolute fucking beating afterward from from Dave, uh, his security guard, or guards, if I had to guess, team, and oddly enough, Jamie Foxx. Weird. Uh, Chris, Chris, Chris Rock, Chris, Chris Rock was there, and uh, shortly thereafter, got on the mic and asked the assembled crowd, "Quote, was that Will Smith?" End quote. Timely and clever. Uh, from what I read, the kid was carrying a uh, fake gun that. Um, uh, revealed a, a knife, so essentially like a fake gun switchblade thing. So it, is this shit going to happen all the time now? Is this what we're going to see? This is the new. This is the new thing. Somebody doesn't like a joke, so they decide to uh, try and attack a comedian. Apparently, this kid isn't entirely uh, stable mentally, according to his brother, as quoted in that. Bastion of Accuracy, TMZ. But this doesn't bode well moving forward, does it? Stand-up is, is hard enough as it is. And now I have to worry about being funny and not getting fucked up? Come on. That sucks. That's It's too much. Um, I'm talking about uh, the Patriots, the Celtics, West Ham... Very little sports, but you got to touch on it. Uh, George Brett, uh, abortion, religion, ugh. Uh, but on a much better note, I'll be talking with Stuart Todd Whitworth, San Diego-based musician. I said L.A. last week, and for that, I am an asshole. Uh, to talk about his album, If All Else Fails. It's creation and recording, as well as stu uh, stories about his cousin Andrew and Adam Duritz of The Counting Crows. Uh, that's all right here, right now, on episode number 117 of Complaints and Observations. Still the most less-than-average podcast on the internet, with a host who's the smartest person in the room when he's the only one there. A continuing odyssey into mediocrity. Guaranteed to make you question your life choices and your own sanity. This is Complaints and Observations. With Dave LaPointe. Who the hell is Dave LaPointe? I think he's a bum. I think he's an absolute bum. What's up, complainers? How are you? 
Everything going okay? Having a having a fine week? Yay, nay, maybe? Who the fuck knows? I don't know. Um, yeah, yeah. So, so lot to talk about today. No, I shouldn't say that. Uh, I don't want to talk too much because I have an awesome interview. So I'm going to try not to talk too much. <clears throat> but there are a couple things that have happened here in the last really in the last few days that uh, have just really pissed me off. But before the, you know, the shitty stuff and the stuff that I don't really want to talk about, but feel the need to, uh, because as you know, this is the world's worst podcast and I am horribly uninformed. So I'm going to be that 40 year old uh, white guy and just make opinions that I don't know anything about because that's what we do. But first, let's talk about the Boston Celtics. Uh, tied the series 1-1, an absolutely dominant first half uh, on Tuesday, and a wicked letdown in the second half. So, a <clears throat> lot to work on, even though they did win by 23 points. A lot for for, uh, for Ime Udoka to go back to and to complain about and to get them to focus. We'll see. Uh, I still think they win the series. Um I mean, honestly, if Grant Williams plays for the rest of the postseason like he played yesterday, they're not losing. Like, I mean, he was phenomenal. I'm not counting on it because it's Grant Williams. But he was terrific. So, good on him. Uh, At this point, the Bruins are probably down two games to none on their way to getting swept by Carolina. So, uh, thanks for the season, Bruins. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. On to next season. Uh, the bigger news is on Thursday, today, uh, West Ham United. For all of you that don't give a fuck about soccer, I don't care. Because tomorrow is the single biggest match in the history. Well, I, I don't want to say the history. Pro- it, at the very least, since 1980. I mean, maybe if you want to go back to when they... Uh, won the championship and moved up, but I don't really think that's... Uh, I don't think that's as big. They play um, Eintracht Frankfurt in Frankfurt, Germany. In the second leg of the Europa League semifinal, they are down two goals to one. And they can very easily score two goals tomorrow, give up none, and win and move on to the final. Madness and bedlam in the streets of London, if that were to happen. Madness and bedlam. Traveling West Ham supporters are fucking nuts. They're nuts. They're crazy people. So I would imagine that they might burn down Frankfurt if if they happen to win this match tomorrow. So I am uh, really looking forward to this. Really looking forward to it. I just hope it. I just hope it happens. You know, it's all. It's all I can hope for. Let's hope that it happens. Um, last bit of sports-related content. <laughs> it's not even really sports-related. So last week I played a clip from the awful '90s. Um, not even '90s. I don't even think it was the '90s. Maybe late '90s, early 2000s. Uh, WB program called Seventh Heaven and Stephen Collins, who played the dad. 
Uh, apparently that dude uh, has a very long history of sexual assault and sexual misconduct. Yikes! In three different decades. Which prompted uh, my buddy Matt to say one of the funniest lines he's ever said is that Stephen Collins is the George Brett of sexual misconduct. If you're not familiar with George Brett, I'm not going to explain the joke, but just know that that is a top-notch fucking joke. So kudos to you, Matthew. Nicely done. Uh, it was good. So do I want to break? Do I want to stop? I don't know what I want to do. I'm going to warn you now. This is this is a serious part of the program. Obviously, we saw what happened with the release of the uh, that Supreme Court memo uh, about abortion and being in, in essentially uh, making Roe v. Wade null and void. In essence, sending um, you know abortion back to the states, essentially. But it's an opening, is what it is, and especially the wording of the memo, where Judge Alito basically, oh, Justice, sorry, sorry, Justice Alito, uh, rattled off a handful of other uh, historical decisions, essentially rendering them at play to be overruled and overturned. It's horribly shitty for a number of different reasons. And here's the thing, and, and I don't want to both sides it, but I'm going to because I don't really have, I don't have another way to, to kind of look at it. There's the obvious trampling of, of privacy rights for women. I mean, trampling. In the Northeast, it, it's a little bit uh, better because, you know, it's going to be legal in five of the six New England states, with the exception of the Arkansas of New England, New Hampshire. So <clears throat> the worst thing about this is, is, is that the Democrats will do nothing more than hem and haw about it and let the GOP stroll on by without so much as a lifted finger. Some of them might do something. Are they going to collectively do enough? And I've, I've mentioned this before. The right is so good at being organized. They are so, so organized all the time. But the left is so petty and whiny and stupid that they can never get a consistent message together. And so the right has used all kinds of shitty tricks, going back to Reagan and then Gingrich, and then Rove, and then Bannon. But for some reason, the, the left thinks that they're above that. And they don't know why. Why? Honestly, why? Because they're so fucking afraid of the religious right, and not even in, in the religious middle, and even maybe the religious left. I don't know. But do they have to feign allegiance to the Bible again so as not to upset a handful of Catholics? It's fucking. 2021, the majority of Americans don't recognize themselves as Christian. Can we, can we be done giving a solid fuck about the Bible as a country? As a country, can we stop? 
It is not at all necessary. It is not in the Constitution, despite what all these fucking clowns keep saying. It has religion is not in the Constitution. It's in nowhere. It's not mentioned. The good thing about it is that 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 minority is well within their constitutional rights because it is. See, and I fucked up. You know, so it's not in there. Yeah, it is. You fucking idiot. Jesus Christ, David. See, worst podcast ever. Totally uninformed. I just misspoke. Fuck you. They are within their rights to continue to live their lives based on the Bible if they choose. And that's fine. But how is that worldview, how is it that that worldview has taken over this country over the last 40 years? How? How did that happen? And why? I don't give a fuck about it. I don't give a fuck about your fairy tale. I don't fucking care. I also don't give a fuck that you and them give a fuck. But that sure as shit doesn't give you the right to tell me and others how to live their our lives. Get the fuck out of here. So this is just, to me, the first step into a, a, a long, drawn-out process with this bullshit where they're just going to... They're going to trample rights for a bunch of different people. Gays, blacks, interracial married couples. And, and you know, it, it's just going to get worse. Whether or not that stuff progresses to the same level that Roe has progressed to, I don't know. But it doesn't mean that they're not going to try. Public education? See you later. Gonzo. They're going to try. Anything that they can do to to make this, uh, make everybody on that side of the aisle afraid of the other side of the aisle. Afraid of trans people, gay people, Black people, brown people, purple people, afraid of fucking anything that doesn't look exactly like them or think exactly like them. And it's so fucking frustrating. You know what else is frustrating? Stop calling these people pro-life because that's a fucking fallacy. They're pro-fetus or uh, pro-marital conception between two white people or pro any other pre-birth word you can think of. You can't be pro-life if you're basically going to force some births, which is going to... you. All you're doing is creating an avenue for people to die from botched abortions. It's coming. It's coming. And it already is. It's already here. It's just going to get worse. Back alley coat hanger fucking abortions. Why do we want that as a fucking civilized society? I don't fucking get it. If you want to fight with me about, you know, the sanctity of of birth and all this other shit, I mean, that's fine. Again, you can. Like, I don't, I'm not going to sit here and say I want, you know, unborn babies to die because that's not what it's, that is not it. Like, full stop, not it. What it is, is it's not my fucking business and it's not their fucking business. To tell some people what they can and can't do, okay? When it comes to their their bodies and their health, whatever. Going backwards. You can't be pro-life if you're basically going to force some births. And then not be pro-universal health care or pro 
paid parental leave or, or pro universal public education or pro anything else that comes with, you know, actually being alive. On the flip side, right, the pro-choice people who are yelling about fucking vaccines, COVID vaccines and forced COVID vaccines and like firing people from their jobs for not taking the fucking vaccine. You've got to shut the fuck up as well because you can't have it both ways. You can't come out and say you need a fucking vaccine or you're fired. Even though they are two entirely separate things. One is a public health issue. One is a private health issue. Two different things. But you can't play on both sides of the street at the same time. Same goes for the fucking smarmy assholes who seem to think that it is. Shut the fuck up. You too. Shut the fuck up. You know who the fuck you are. Shut the fuck up. Because that's not. it doesn't work that way either. You know how it works? Respect the privacy of women and be done with it. Be done. And at the same time, respect the privacy of these dumb fucks that don't want to get vaccinated. Fine. Whatever. You are well within your rights to be an idiot. Ultimately, I think this just comes down to the same old boring political bullshit in this country that has existed since the fucking 1700s. Rich white men having control over just about everything. And as always, women are an easy mark. They know that the Democrats and and Democrat voters aren't going to go storming the Capitol like rage lunatics. So they go ahead with their plan and have a whole shitload of other things just waiting to push through once they take back Congress in November, which is going to happen. It is such a frustrating topic. And being a fucking complete moron who's, who is just a plain old white male. And it, it's, it, it sucks that I have to keep saying that and prefacing that all the time. But I mean, that's what it is. Like, you can't, you can't tell me that it's not. You're, it's just, who's in charge here? Who's in charge? It's, come on now. It's just, it's so fucking frustrating. Everything in this fucking country is so goddamn stupid. (laughs) Just stupid. Just so unbelievably stupid. It's it's one thing to just say, leave everybody alone. It's another thing to, to, to say, let people do their own thing. But man, oh man, it all comes down to just, it's all petty and dumb. And you know what else? You know what's another worst part about this thing that drives me fucking crazy? You're going to have people on the other side talking about... And i got to stop saying other side because it's not accurate. But like, all right, here's an example, okay? So this girl that I've talked about on the show multiple times, um, Harmony Montgomery, this poor little girl that was essentially farmed out by... Uh, by the system here in Massachusetts to her fucking deadbeat father in New Hampshire. A report came out today, and I wish I could I wish I could remember the agency, the state agency that, that basically filed the report, but basically they said uh, that the court and, uh, and, and the Department of Child Services essentially like really fucked up, unbelievably fucked up, and basically thought nothing of the welfare of this child. They thought more about the uh, about the parents 
than they did about the child. And it came out that the father, who ended up with full custody of this fucking kid, had spent roughly 40 hours with this girl over the course of the first, however many, like, few years of her life. 40 hours. And the judge thought that that was fine. Yep, give it to the guy who just got out of jail, mind you. And now, you know, now this kid is is missing, probably dead somewhere. This fucking piece of shit father of hers is not saying anything. This this is what's going to happen. Like you're going to see more of this. And it, I it pains me to say this is what's going to happen if you get rid of abortion. It pains me to say that because it's it sucks. And I hate saying it and I hate myself for saying that. But it's the truth. Because once these kids are born, in a lot of cases, you know, was there something wrong with their, uh, was there, some, was there a, a deformity or something, you know, in the fetus? At, and, you know, once they were pregnant, they're forced to give birth and the kid's alive. Now what? Now, if they don't have the resources to take care of the kid, what happens to the kid? It just ends up being a, a whole other fucking set of issues that, you know, the pro life people are just going to fucking wash their hands of it once the kid's actually born. That, I mean, honestly, and that, that poor kid, every single time I see a picture of that fucking kid's face, it just pisses me off so much. Girl never had a fucking chance from the second she was born. Didn't have a fucking chance. It's awful. And I, I can't believe I just spent fucking almost 20 minutes talking about that shit. If you skipped over that, nicely done. Because honestly, you don't need my uninformed opinion. My, my fiery bullshit. You don't need it. Nobody needs it. All right, let's get back to the uh, good content. You don't get much good content on this program, so when you do, you got to grab it with both hands, not let it go. Uh, I have a, a, a few guests lined up for the next few weeks, and I'm excited. And I'm excited for my very first one, and I haven't had a guest in a long time, and I'm thrilled. So <clears throat> here is an interview I, I did the other day with... Uh, as I mentioned, San Diego-based musician Stuart Todd Whitworth. It's an excellent interview, I thought. It was very fascinating. Um, talking about his album, uh, the video for the single on the album, which at the end of the interview, uh, you're going to hear the song called Where You Are. I got permission from Stuart to play the song. Stuart. So um, listen up. Here it is. Stuart Todd Whitworth. Uh, thrilled to welcome to the program this week an incredibly talented musician whose most recent album, If All Else Fails, is available now on Amazon. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, Stuart Todd Whitworth, thank you so much for coming. Thanks, David. I appreciate you having me. Uh, so if you don't mind, I just want to, like I said, just kind of jump right into things. And you mentioned in our email exchange the amount of time that it took you to record this album. And quite frankly, it's fascinating. So I'd love for you to share with the audience a little bit of the backstory uh, as to, you know, why it took so long to make this, uh, some of the details that went into it, and uh, your feelings uh, about the end result. 
Yeah. So um, I embarked on recording a full album, a full studio uh, album. And it's so I play the piano and the guitars. I sing the vocals. I write all the songs. I write all the music um, on the full album on every single track. It's me, a full band and a small orchestra. So I I'm in love with combining orchestral sounds with you know, indie pop rock. And so I compose all the, you know, the parts for the violins, violas, and cellos. Um, I record those up in Nashville. Uh, I've got a group up there where it's two violin play. I'm sorry, two, two cellos, two viola players, five violin players, and then we stack it three times. So it sounds like oh, it's wow. two violin players. The first two passes, uh, they play just with, with regular, without the mutes. And then the third pass, they put mutes on their strings, which gives it a bit of a different texture, adds to the, the mm -hmm. you know, breadth of the sound. And they're a fantastic crew. I love working with them. Um, and then there's, there's all kinds of other instrumentation that I threw in on this album. Um, it's 16 songs. And so, you know, it, it was not, I was having to fit this in my free time. It wasn't my full-time job this whole time. And so it just, and I'm a perfectionist. I'm very much a perfectionist. <laughs> okay. And so, um, you know, I'm producing the whole thing. I'm editing any edits that need to be made. I'm doing all of it. And it just took forever. And it was my first full production album. So uh, my full, my first full length, full production studio album. Um, and so along the way, I was kind of learning, you know, my process, like how, how do I, go from song idea to fully produced mixed mastered in product and so I've, I've learned a ton along the way um, I also did several music videos along the way uh, most notably the one that took seven years that was filmed kind of alongside so once I once I kind of realized just how long this album was going to take I I felt like okay I, I can't just I can't just throw this thing up on Spotify, Apple Music. I've mm. got to release this in such a way that it actually, you know, makes a splash and, you know, makes an impact, gets noticed. And so I, I started with, I felt like, okay, I need a great album cover. And so if anybody's familiar with 99designs.com, I went on 99designs.com and I, uh, I put up $300. And the way it works is I describe the project mm -hmm. it's an album cover. I gave a few links to some of the demos that hadn't been finished yet. I said, Hey guys, I want an album cover. I don't want myself on the cover of it. Um, and I do want, you know, the full name of my name and the album name, and then just listen to the, listen to the songs and see what hits you. And this one girl in Hungary came up with this amazing album cover that I just love. Oh, I, wow. I actually got 300 submissions. Uh, Holy smokes. And it was everything from the most amazing artwork down to something that, you know, probably somebody threw together in 10 minutes just to make a submission. And when I saw uh, her name is Sarah Kovacs, when I saw her, her cover design, I instantly knew this is the cover. I love this. Mm. And then, so that's, that was the origination point. And then um, I felt like I, I liked that cover art so much that I then decided to, uh, you know, reach out to some other visual artists and 
And I don't know how much I should give away of like, you should probably watch the music video. I know I, at this point, I'm sure you've seen the music video. Yeah. Yeah. The video. And, and that was one of my questions. I mean, the, the, the progression of the video and the way that, you know, some of these other artists took the concept of the, of the album art. Honestly, it was fascinating. The different methods and the different styles. Yeah. I thought that was really cool. So, you know, to, to anybody that's listening, please, um, check out the video stwmusic.com that's where you'll find the video and uh it's fascinating it's very interesting and i i am gonna ruin one part of that video okay. that's fine the uh the post-it notes <laughs> i couldn't i couldn't believe it i mean i've seen you know snippets of, of people making art of post-it notes but you know i mean i didn't want that part to stop i wanted to i wanted to see yeah. a little bit more because that well, was unbelievable interestingly that is if i'm correct that's the part of the video that has the most it takes up the most time like it's it does it's yeah. the bridge and it's like the longest segment but okay. um yeah it was such a fun music video to make over those seven years and to collaborate with all those different artists one of my favorites i love all of them one of my yeah. favorites is the sand sculpture that was I, and, so much yeah fun. that was really cool i was half waiting for you know the tide to come in and kind of wash it away to like end that particular segment to move on but I, at the same time i was like oh that's that's too nice we gotta leave that up for a little while but it that was, was really so cool. fun that day we it, so that was down i live in the san diego area now and that oh, was okay. down on coronado island and oh, uh, wow. so many people came up throughout that day uh because that took hours and hours to do um, of course, yeah. and the, the sandcastle man is the name of the guy that's what he goes by that he does sandcastles all over the area yeah mm -hmm. and so many people came up and they you know asked about the cast the the sculpture and i got to talk about the album and it was really cool uh, that was a fun mm -hmm. day um the one other one that i wanted to note uh it's it's easily the worst piece of artwork out of the 10 because i did it <laughs> and i'm not an artist oh. <laughs> Um, the, the one where probably people who watch it don't really know exactly what is happening or what it is, but it's a light projector. And we had a camera above, like facing downward and there's sand on the light mm. projector. And I'm drawing with my finger. I'm drawing. Yeah. Oh, okay. And that's me. Yeah. That's, uh, that that's was my one little contribution. And it kind of fit, you know, the, the song itself is called where you are. And it, it mm. talks about falling on your back in the sand so i talk about sand a lot and so it made sense to have two art pieces uh that that had to do with sand i'm I, so you had mentioned in you in our email exchange the actual amount of time uh that it took you to record um i and you also kind of mentioned that this was sort of done in your free time so uh obviously this is you know it's not a full-time job for you but i would i would imagine that building the album and making sure that everything was done correctly and properly was really a full-time job. So oh, let, yeah. give me the amount of time that it took you and then sort of walk me through, you know, the various steps that, you know, how, how did you record in various cities? I know you mentioned Nashville. I know I've been on your site and read some other stuff that you've spent some time in New York as well. Um, so I'm kind of curious as to how this all kind of fit into your, your day-to-day -day life. Yeah very difficultly if that's a word um <laughs> it is now i mean it certainly takes its toll on any other extracurricular life that you want to have uh yeah i probably spent i tried to calculate the hours i mean i don't maybe like two thousand hours or something i spent wow. on this i mean just an insane amount of time but um yeah it, it certainly has 
I don't know how much detail you want. I, it certainly caused a lot of problems with uh, me and an ex-girlfriend. She, she didn't care for how much time I was spending on everything. But um, so, yeah, my, you know, I laid out, I decided that I wanted there to be a certain number of tracks, a certain number of songs. Mm -hmm. So I started the album and I actually didn't have all of those songs written at that time. So I was still, I started the album, but I was still writing more of the songs, um, okay. which was actually, that was a fun process as well. But um, I recorded most of it in Dallas. So I lived in Dallas uh, mm -hmm. and I'm sure we'll get to that here in a little bit, but I lived in Dallas during the bulk of the recording of this album and uh, a guy by the name of Aaron Kelly. Uh, he has a studio. I recorded uh, most of the album at his place. Uh, so drums, uh, bass guitars. I had what four different drummers on this album, um, three different bass players. Um, so typically with a song we start with, well, we start with me doing a full demo in my home studio. I put together a full demo and then I go into the studio and we do bass and drums. And then we, we really spend a lot of time, you know, getting that just the way I want it. I take those tracks home with me. I dump them into my logic program. Uh, I scoot things around if they need to be or make any edits. And then next uh, I typically record pianos and guitars, depending on what the song is. So I'd say about half of the songs on the record, uh, are more piano driven me on piano and then the other half are more guitar driven with me on guitar um, so whichever one that is for the given song then I go back into Aaron Kelly's studio and I record the guitars and the pianos um, then typically the next step would be uh, going up to Nashville to do the strings and I spend an inordinate amount of time getting the the score like printing out the score like transcribing every note of what I want for the violins, violas, and cellos, um, and then getting it just right. Because when I go into the studio up there, and there, there is a video on my, maybe two videos on my website that uh, show the actual strings recording sessions, and those are pretty fun. Um, when I get in there, I literally just set music in front of these nine players, and they sight read it the first time. You know, they go over it a couple of times to just get it real locked in under their fingers. But then, I mean, there was one, one of those sessions where we recorded seven songs in one hour, which oh, is wow. just insane. Yeah. Uh, wow. We just blazed <laughs> through it, which, and, and that was a budgetary thing. That was me saying, Oh yeah. Man, this is I, what I have. I've got to work. so little money for this, but <laughs> I have to have, I refuse to incorporate any electronic or synthesized elements into my songs. Not that oh, there's right. anything wrong with that. I, sure. if you look at the things I listen to on Spotify, I love electronic music. But what I am, what I gravitate towards, what I love writing and recording, is you know, real, true, organic. Everything that you hear on my record is an actual instrument with a microphone put up to it. Or, you know, an electric guitar going through an amp with a microphone put up to it. But there's no synthesizers, there's none of that. So when you hear pizzicato string, that's real, that's, that's actual strings going, bo, 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 you know. Um, so then strings, and then if there's other instruments, which there oftentimes are. So on one of the, one of the songs, I had a live harp player come in, and I, I wrote a harp part for it. 
and she did a great job. There's glockenspiel. I play some glockenspiel. Um, it's what a great else? instrument. Yeah, right. It's it's hard. I, I'm not a glockenspiel player, but I just yeah. had to learn how to do. And it's it's actually a lot harder than you'd think to make it sound just right. Um, and then vocals is last. Vocals is last. I do a lot of prep for vocals. Um, and then uh, and then mix and master. And I had some really talented mix engineers and mastering engineers uh, work on the record. Um, and the last it is an it, it is an impeccably produced. I mean, the the, the one song, uh, the single where you are um, fantastically produced. It sounds Thanks amazing. So yeah, the uh, some some amazing talent worked on that song. Um, and the guy who mixed that song, his name is Mark Needham. He uh, he produced that Chris Isaac song. And I want to fall in love with you. Wow. That song. That's, uh, what's Wicked Game? Yeah, no. Wicked Game. That's yeah, the one. Wicked Game. Wow, yeah. did he really? Jeez. He did. And he, he produces uh, Imagine Dragons and a bunch of stuff that, you, that you've sure. heard and, and that you've yeah. heard. Yeah. And uh, I had that one mixed, um, you know, after I was out here in California. Mm-hmm. And so he's, he's just up the road. And so oh, I actually nice. got to go to his studio and meet him. Yeah. And yeah, so much talent. I mean, if you read the credits on the last page of the album, it's, mm-hmm. it's like a hundred people. It's a lot of people, a lot of talent on the album. It's really, mm. I'm, I'm just beyond thrilled with how it all turned out and uh, just the collaboration with a lot of talented musicians and talented artists who have yeah. agreed to, you know, play my songs and play the notes that I wrote and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> uh, so yeah, the, the, the album took me eight years, three days, eight, eight years, three months and five days to record. And I, 2000 plus hours. Yeah. Just an insane amount That's of time. Crazy. And then, you know, then there was the music video, which took an insane yeah. amount of time, which kind of lapsed a little bit past the completion of the album. Cause that was how I wanted to release the album was with that music yeah. video. And so when I released it here recently, it was just like the biggest exhale. I can't believe it's finally out. But I would imagine at the same time, it'd say, okay, now what do I do with all this time that I was spending? Absolutely. And so I perform nonstop. I'm performing, you know, 15 hours a week, something like that. I'm performing to the max capacity of my vocal cords. Mm -hmm. If I, if I sing any more than I, than I do, I would just not have a voice. So that's what I'm doing. And I'm out promoting the album. I'm out, you know, getting my name out there and Mm -hmm. having such a blast doing it. I would imagine. Now, are you perform? Is this a full-time role for you or do you have a full-time job as well? So this is basically, I have a little side. So, so music is basically my main, my main financial gig at the moment. I do have a side gig that I make a little bit of money at here and there, but honestly, lately I haven't been, putting too much effort into that and it's been Mm -hmm. just just balls to the wall music man and it's been it's awesome i love it that's great that's great um i mean another thing that i found very interesting was the way that you basically eschew the the modern release formats um you know obviously the spotify's and the itunes and whatnot so um you know having to go i tried to buy it from barnes and noble um, but it, it wasn't up. So I had to buy it from Amazon. Oh. It is what it is. Not the biggest fan of Amazon, but okay. you know, I'll, I'll, I'll take what I can get. Sure. And um, 
So obviously, I, I'm I'm curious about your decision to sort of to to you know to make it an old school album release. You know, the things that yeah. we used to like when we were kids, when you had to wait in line on Fridays to get into the record store to buy yeah. anything. So kind of give me your feeling on that. I, I'd like to know what drove you to make that decision. I mean, obviously the the artwork had something to do with it, I would imagine, because obviously okay. you're not going to get that feeling from Spotify or iTunes or wh- wherever. So aside from the obvious answer, I'm, I'm kind of curious as to your mindset, because I would imagine that there's something a little bit more than simply, I love this artwork and I want to display it. But at the same time, that's obviously part of it, like I said, but kind of give me your feeling as to why you went in this direction. Well, yeah, sure. And I, I will touch on that a little bit because that was a big part of the decision and, and I guess to spoil the, the music video a little bit, which is fine. Um, the album is a hardcover book. The album is a CD with 16 songs, a download card with 16 songs, and it's encased in a hardcover book with all of this artwork in the book. And so, you know, I feel like in today's world, we're such a digital era, Spotify, Apple Music, and I love those things. I'm a massive user of Spotify. Um, but I feel like we are missing the tactile experience of holding something. And I remember when I was growing up in the nineties, you know, uh, in the late nineties, all that, all that music, I would, I, I just was so, I would look forward to getting the CD and opening it up and pulling the, the, uh, insert out and going through those pages and seeing, cause I knew as a musician, even back then, that there's a lot of effort and creativity that's put into the decision of what do we put inside that insert, you know? And I wanted to give my listeners, um, you know, that experience of having the album itself, holding it, listen to it while you're actually, you know, while you're flipping through the album and looking at the artwork, because, you know, um, it might not be immediately obvious to anybody who looks at it, but to me, there is a there is a correlation. When I saw that art design, the the one that the girl from Hungary, like that's on the front cover, instantly I knew that this is my album cover because it speaks to me that there, there's like a correlation between that artwork and my music, and I I think that people feel that when they're when they're looking at it and when when people do buy the album and they hold it and they're listening through to it. Um, so I just really it was important to me that um, that they have that experience. And I was, I'm just at the time of release and now more interested in getting that, that book into people's hands than right. getting Spotify streams. I mean, that'll, that'll come. Um, okay. But that, that was going to be a follow-up. I'm curious if you're going to do it, if you're going to venture and, you know, into those formats at some point. Yeah, absolutely. And I do have my, I, I do have music on Spotify, just right. not this mm-hmm. album. So, I, I mean, there's, there's plenty of music on my Spotify that I am proud of that, you know, when people, if people want to check my stuff out, they can certainly uh, get a good, good listen to it there. But this album, I just wanted it to be a physical thing that people experience in a tactile way. Yeah, I love it. I think it's, I mean, it's cool. It's obvious and it's incredibly different because like we mentioned, it's a very, you know, you want that experience from the person that is actually buying your album. So I think that's really cool. It's something, I mean, a lot of bands now and and artists, they'll, they'll put out like a special edition. Okay. Here's all my music here. It is digitally, but you can buy 
the special edition, whatever. Well, your entire album in this particular instance, it is a special edition, and and I think that's really cool. So nicely done. Um, and I've I've showed like what's been cool too is that when I I kept this a secret from everybody, like I literally didn't tell okay. my friends. I, I oh wow. I would kind of allude to it. They'd be like, when's this album coming out? Why haven't you released? I'm like, man, listen, I'm working on something. It's outside <laughs> the box. It's it's a lot more work than the normal release. Mm. Just trust me when you see it, it's going to be cool. You're going to like, and then when I showed the music video to people and then, you know, like handed them, like I would literally set my computer in front of them and show mm. them the music video. And then as soon as it was over, I'd hand them the album and they would just be like, mind blown oh, that's cool this is so very cool. cool this is such yeah. a cool thing and it's like i'm a musician i'm not an artist i'm not a, a mm. visual artist of any sort but it, it you know so it's it's just really cool to see how, how all this ties together and people have really liked the song and they like the video and they like the concept and they're buying it like i'm i'm selling albums which is is really cool yeah it is cool um so in terms of of you know, the shows that you're playing and the performances that you're doing. I'm kind of curious, are you spending all of your time in San Diego or in, or in California? Are you doing any sort of touring of any kind? I'm, I'm curious to know. So I, uh, I'm, I'm working on planning a tour right now. I took a mini tour earlier this year. Um, I, I, so I live in California. I drove from uh, here back to Dallas, which is where I grew up. That's my hometown. Um, okay. So I, on the way, I did street performances in, in several cities on the way back. And then mm -hmm. I booked a few gigs on, on the way back then to California and did some more street performances. So just kind of a little mini tour, had a great time, uh, got my name out there a bit and made some new fans, got some new Instagram followers, that kind of thing. And uh, I, I, right now I'm trying to figure out how to do a nationwide tour um, and just make it all work, you know, on the financial end. And, uh, but, but as far as my performing that I do like on a week in week out basis, it's all here in Southern California at the moment. Okay. Yeah. Nice. All right. Um, and so I was going to ask and Jess, it's funny because a friend of mine, uh, I, I told him, I said, Hey, I'm having a, a guest this week. We, we got kind of hooked up on Instagram in a very odd way, but a funny and interesting way at the same time where I had a hashtag counting crows. And next thing you know, this uh, random person weeks later is, is asking me to listen to his music. I thought it was really cool. Uh, the premise behind that hashtag was that every time I walk into a, a big box store of any kind, I, I think it's required that the counting crows are played um, over, over the speakers. I, every single place I've gone in the last six months, I hear a frigging counting crow song it's not that i dislike them it's just that they're everywhere and i can't they must the amount of money they must make just on oh, retail music sales alone it's insane listen yeah. i have a great counting crow story if you are up for it Ooh, so yeah. listen this is kind of funny um my older sister is actually friends with adam duritz the lead singer of counting oh crow. my god is that right yeah. And so she, <laughs> she was friends with him for years. And then he would come no to Dallas and yeah. I would never get like, she'd go hang out with him, but I would never get an sure. invite. And so oh. finally one night I was at the John Mayer. So John Mayer was playing at one venue. Okay. Uh, Counting Crows were playing at another venue. I believe House of yeah. Blues and John Mayer was at whatever. 
And so I was with a date at John Mayer and my sister, yeah, my sister uh, was at House of Blues watching Counting Crows. And, you know, I'm, the date's going well, whatever. And then I get the, I I finally get the text from my sister. Hey, do you want to meet Adam? I'm like, yes. And she she says, come alone. So I had to ditch my date, right? No way. Wait, hold on, hold on. Back up. Your sister said to ditch the date to to go there. Why? Why'd you do that? Well, wait till where it goes. So. Oh, okay. She says, she says, come, come alone. Just you come to such and such hotel room 432 or whatever. And I go and it's literally just me, my sister and Adam Duritz hanging out in his hotel room. He's drinking a protein shake. Uh, we're just chatting. He actually, I told him, I said, Hey, I was at the John Mayer concert. He told me the most hilarious story about John Mayer. Cause when he <laughs> was on tour with John Mayer one time yeah. and, uh, and the coolest part of it though, is this was just, this was like two months before the release of uh, the Counting Crows album called Saturday Nights and Sunday Mornings or something to that effect. Yeah. Um, it has Michelangelo's song on there. Yeah. It, um, there's another one. It's, it's got, yeah. yeah it's it got some great songs on Bed Bath and Beyond at some point. Some yep. And so, yeah. and so he played us the whole album a couple months oh. before its release, oh, wow. which was awesome. To be able to be sitting there with with Adam Duritz, you know, and hear his whole album, you know, before his release. I, you know, I fell hard for Counting Crows with the release of their song, um, Long December in 19. 19- oh, I love that song. Or whatever. Song. I, I cover yeah. that song sometimes. I love it. So that's yeah, my that's my Adam Duritz song. And this is this was before he shaved off the dreads. He still had the dreads at this point. Oh, nice. That's good. Okay, good. Because I hope you got a picture with adam and his dreads i didn't i didn't because it was one of those things where i don't want to be the fan if it's boy just the, if, i know if it's just the three of you in a room you can hey can i get a picture be a little yeah. weird but you didn't tell me why you had to ditch the date oh well uh, other details um <laughs> my, my sister knew the date and so i think okay probably didn't oh, and she's like all right yeah we don't want her here god but but, it, but it wasn't sense. it was also just like she just she knew that I eventually wanted to meet him and she not allowed me to numerous times. And so okay. I think she was like, just, you know, Hey, come on. Yeah, just, come on. Yeah. You know. just don't bring her. Got it. <laughs> Understood. <laughs> um, so, yeah, um, I had, when, when I was talking to my friends over the weekend about um, having you on the show this week and I, I said your name and instantly a buddy of mine said, Oh, any relation to Andrew Whitworth? And I was like, I don't know, probably not. And I'm, I'm kind of, I'm creeping through your, your Instagram uh, this morning. And sure enough, there it is. A congratulations to you, to him, or from you, to him, for winning uh, the Walter Payton Man of the Year. And so I'm like, oh, wow, that's really cool. Yeah. And a bunch of pictures and, and uh, the two of you when you're younger. I was like, wow, that, okay. So I was dead wrong. So here's my question, right? Obviously, I mean, the people that are listening to my show will understand and know what he's done on the field. I'm very, very curious to know uh, your family and, and in yourself, of course, how do you feel about him? The, the, the Walter Payton Man of the Year Award is massive. It is a massive, massive award. So I'm very yeah. curious to know your reaction uh, to him being recognized for his work off of the football field. Oh yeah, long overdue. Uh, he's just done so much community service. 
um, and just given so much back, donated so much money. So he was long overdue for that Walter Payton Man of the Year award. So happy for him and, and just such a cool way for him to, you know, 16 years in the league. And when he played in the Super Bowl and me and my sisters were there, uh, they won. He won against his former team because he played for yeah. 11 seasons with the Bengals mm -hmm. and then now five with the Rams just got the Walter Payton and he Tom Brady had retired during that one month period so yeah and yeah. was technically the oldest player in the league in the Super Bowl the time. <laughs> against his old team and now he retired yeah. perfect way for him to go out on top so proud of him uh yeah just just certainly the Walter Payton was uh long overdue for him and just so happy for him very cool that's awesome so um thank you so much for for adding that it's a I didn't yeah. want to take away from your work, but I just found it oh. so weird that, you know, it was brought up. And I, I was like, no, I, I doubted it, you know, but sure enough, here you go. Well, are so, you a listen, you're a sports guy, right? Oh, are yeah. You? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. What are your teams? Yeah. So I'm out here in Boston. So, you know, Patriots are, uh, you know, my wife and I are season ticket holders to the Patriots. Okay. So basically, um, but at the same time, my father... Uh, back in the 70s the Patriots were terrible so he jumped on the Cowboys bandwagon back in the early 70s and I've been a Cowboys fan as well ever since so you know obviously you mentioned Dallas so there you go uh, it's been a very long 25 it's been a long 25 years though Stuart let's let's be fair it's a, you yeah know, but at the at the same time it's uh you know there's every year is hopeful and the draft just ended so now everybody's looking up and thinking okay we we should win the Super Bowl again and and you get to the actual season and not so much, but yeah, it happens. what can you do? Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm a, you know, lifelong Cowboys fan cause I'm from Dallas. Um, so hopefully, hopefully we'll pull it together. Fingers crossed. Uh, but yeah. listen, Stuart, thank you so very much for taking the time. I really do appreciate Absolutely. it. And again, uh, please go to Amazon, uh, pick up if all else fails, it's um, been out since what, September, late September. Yeah late september so uh check it out you can go to uh, stwmusic.com as well see all his videos all his youtube uh stuff and uh listen to his songs and i told him uh via email that it has a very ben folds uh sound and uh Stuart was kind enough to let me know that it was a big inspiration so i was happy that i nailed that one so uh nice yeah, yeah. um but yeah, it, i actually it, i actually uh i've met ben numerous times now uh and this oh, past wow. fall i can't remember if i mentioned this to you but this past fall ben uh said hey i'm gonna have a songwriting uh workshop retreat and there's 50 spots available um mm -hmm. submit a song one of your songs that you've written and we're gonna pick 50 people and so i submitted my song where you are the one that's uh in that mm -hmm. music video and I got a spot. And so I got to work all weekend with Ben and one-on-one -on -one and write a no bunch kidding. of songwriting drills. And oh, wow. I, yeah, it was amazing. Um, I asked something that he, does he do this regularly? Cause I mean, that's, I, I think he does it like once every, I, I know COVID kind of screwed things up, but I think he tries to yeah. do it like once a year. No kidding. Yeah. Oh, that's really cool. Hmm. Um, also on a separate note, I wanted to uh, mention for any of the listeners um, the music video that we've been talking about that took seven years. I also have another music video and I don't think I've mentioned you. Maybe I have mentioned this to you. Um, another video coming out soon where we literally lit a piano on fire while I was playing it in the snowy mountains outside of Denver. It's Amazing. super cool. Uh, so if anybody listening, you know, 
check out my Instagram. I'll be putting it on Instagram here soon. Uh, give me your uh, Instagram handle if you could. It, well, it's my full name, Stuart Todd Whitworth, and that's okay. S-T-U-A-R-T-T-O-D-D-W-H-I-T-W-O-R-T-H. Should be easy enough, right? There you go. Right. <laughs> Stuart, again, look, at, uh, thank you so very much for taking the time. I really do appreciate it. Awesome. Thanks so much, David. And I'm going to mention, you have a great voice for podcasting. Oh, that is such a wonderful thing for you to say. Thank you. I appreciate it. Absolutely. All righty. Talking to you. Take care. Thanks again. See you. Bye-bye. gonna open my hands fall on my back in the sand I'll go to be where you are and then the music starts I'm gonna visit your dreams and lay awake at your feet I'll go to be where you are and then the music starts
I really do hope you enjoyed that. I hope you liked the song. Hope you uh, stuck around and listened to the whole thing. Uh, you can go to his website, as I said, stwmusic.com. Uh, he does have music up on Spotify and on uh, iTunes, Apple Music, whatever you want to call it. Uh, I'm sure in some other formats as well, but uh, I enjoyed it. it. Super nice guy. Uh, really hope he does get out to the East Coast to play some shows because I think his music is pretty good. It probably can resonate in a uh, a, a really nice, I'm trying to think of the right way to put it. Like, I don't want to pigeonhole the genre because it's, you know, it's like, uh, you know, pop rock, singer songwriter stuff. It's, there's a, there's a space for it. And it's just a matter of finding that space. So, uh, thank you again, Stuart. I appreciate, uh, your time. I appreciate you telling me that I have a wonderful voice. I don't know if wonderful was the word that he used, but a, a good podcast voice. Um, thank you. It's appreciated. So, as it is Thursday, it is time for three gripes. Good news, I only have two. One, because uh, I, I just couldn't think of a third. Um, but I'll, I'll save that space. I, actually, I, I do have a third. Uh, I'm going to wing it. But, uh, yeah, time for three. Gripe number one, not being able to fucking talk. No, that's not true. <sighs> All right, gripe number one. T-shirt tags. That's right. T-shirt tags. I, I'm 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 so annoyingly petty that I'm now down to small pieces of fabric on clothing. Uh, the industry has the technology to rid us of these things, and some have. But so many companies keep pumping out product with fucking tags that very few people pay any attention to. Think about it. Think about this. The number of times you look at a tag, a t-shirt tag, right? When was the last time you looked at one to, to say anything other than, I hate these fucking tags? When? Maybe, maybe the first time you got it, say you get a t-shirt, uh, and, and you, you, know, you, you unfold it, you're looking at whatever it says on the front, and then you look at the tag and you're like, oh, it's it's a one of these. You know, what the fuck? And then there are the ones that have two tags on it. Two! And I'm looking right at you, Canvas brand t-shirts. Do these people honestly think that that everyone is so stupid that they haven't figured out how to launder a fucking cotton t-shirt. Oh, but it's marketing, Dave. Is it? Is it really? Real effective marketing when everyone hates the tag and then it's literally never seen by anyone other than the owner of said shirt. Enough of this shit. Nobody needs them. Nobody. And the problem is, though, you, like, you can't cut them out. Okay, well, you can't rip them out, especially or now you have a hole where the tag used to be. And now you look like a fucking idiot. T-shirt tags. Ugh. gripe number two, corporate training videos. <clears throat> so I mentioned last week that I. Uh, yeah, previously, I got a new job, but have since left that new job, so now it's an old job. 
Uh, but during my brief time there, I was subjected to numerous training videos. Uh, but one that stuck out was from a woman calling herself and her business the telephone doctor. Uh, basically, she's like a um, telephone customer service training person going over the do's and don'ts of conducting business on the telephone. I tried to find a clip uh, to drop in here of her saying, Hi, I'm Nancy Freeman, the telephone doctor. From the late 90s, which is, you know, the, the time frame that I saw. She's been around for forever. I think it's from since like 1983. So she's been around for roughly 30 years. Talking about fucking telephone sales. Not even tell, not just telephone sales, but telephone customer service. I watched about a dozen or so of these videos of, of her talking about customer service. And while it, it wasn't the worst information, the information built into them isn't terrible. But it, like the presentation is just fucking terrible. Like, honestly, it's so bad. Cheesy acting, the ridiculous scenarios, and the stock music. Just gross. You know, and, and some of them, you know, will work to get the point across. Some of them. Not all of them. Like, I couldn't, I couldn't tell you 95% of, of what she was talking about. But, like, I, I looked into the cost. Because I thought, okay, maybe there's a reason why they are still playing these 20 plus years later. This lady's charging three grand for 12 DVDs. Three grand. And I would imagine that the cost only goes up for larger companies. It costs them about 10 bucks to produce these fucking things. Yet here I am talking about them 25 years later, however long it's been. Uh, my first job ever was at Wendy's back in 1994. That Wendy's has since been torn down and rebuilt. <laughs> it was that long ago. Um, <clears throat> and I had to watch all of their training videos. But let me tell you something. Wendy's in the late 80s decided, fuck it. We're going to spend a ton of money on this crap. We're going to produce some high quality shit for our people to watch and to learn. Press out the corners, one, two, three, four. Rock it a bit, are you keeping score? Top and bottom, left and right, and you'll get a patty that's out of sight. Press out the corners, nice and wide, at least half an inch on both sides. I could go into a Wendy's. You, that my fucking computer is such a pain in the balls. You probably didn't even hear the beep there, but I did. Gah. I could walk into a Wendy's right this minute. And work the fucking grill like a goddamn ninja. Because of that stupid video. And when I tell you it's stupid, stupid. And the best part, they had videos and shit like that for literally every single section of the restaurant. Like hot drinks. You'll find a bunch of them online. One of them is hot drinks and it's about coffee and Sanka. <laughs> Sanka. Uh, cold drinks, like how to fucking pour soda. I I tried in vain 
to find the sandwich one, like how to actually make the burgers. And basically, the the way that it goes is you put it's like mayo, ketchup, pickle, onion, tomato, lettuce. So the song is like white, red, and green. I may have talked about this before, but that fucking song like has been in my brain since 1994. And honestly, they spent so much fucking money on that that they ended up, they used them for a long time. I want to say through like 96 or something like that, is that I, that I read. But oh my God, that's how you make a training video. Bravo. And, and every one of them had Dave Thomas in it. And Dave Thomas was fat. <laughs> eating Wendy's every day that dude got fat just like this dude got fat fatter I was already fat and then I got fatter but Dave Thomas was a was a hefty man back in 1989 Ugh. uh gripe number three not really a gripe but whatever uh this program as of uh, Saturday, May 7th, will be two years old. Two years old. Isn't that something? And I, I, I somehow have less listeners now than I did uh, when I started. Which tells you something, doesn't it? It tells you that my show is fucking terrible. And I have no idea how to market it. I have no idea how to do it. The fact remains, though, is that I, I'm fairly consistent with this shit. I enjoy it, even though, again, I'm spitting nonsense into a microphone. I just love being on a microphone for some weird-ass reason. Never met a microphone I didn't like. Um, but, yeah, so two years, yeah. This is uh, one of my longer relationships, me and this program. Hopefully it'll continue. I don't see why not, uh, unless something drastic happens, like, you know, a job where I can't have a podcast for some reason. I don't know. Um, <clears throat> but that being said, the day of the show release may change. Actually, I think it is going to change. Instead of Thursday, I think it's going to be Fridays, uh, starting in a few weeks. Uh, because I got another job where I'm going to be behind a microphone. I'm going to be hosting a trivia night. Stump trivia, Wednesday nights. At uh, Damien's in Hanson, Massachusetts. So, if you are in the Hanson area, I don't know when exactly I'm starting, but uh, wouldn't be for another couple weeks at least. At least. Clear your schedule. Wednesday nights, 7 p.m., Damien's, Hanson. Excellent bar pizza. And yours truly, reading questions. Should be a good time, hopefully. Hopefully it doesn't suck. We'll see. It may. I don't know. But, um, yeah. Uh, no show next week. Because I will be away. I will be away. We're going on vacation again. <laughs> uh, my wife had an excellent first quarter. And so she wants to celebrate, and she wants a vacation. So off we go. We are going to 
uh, Nassau, the Bahamas, for a week. Should be a good time. Should be a good time. Fingers crossed. Uh, new resort we've never been to. Uh, we're very uh, used to sandals. But sandals is fucking stupid expensive. My God. Um, talked about <clears throat> starting my own travel business that might actually come to fruition. So uh, keep your ears peeled for that. Um, in terms of actually getting a full-time job, who the fuck knows, working on that. I got an interview on Friday, had one today, had one on Monday. We'll see what happens. <sighs> um, but yeah, that's it. That's it for the program. Two years, man. Fucking hey, Crazy. Hey, it's great. Love it. Thrilled. Pleased. It's good. Um, god damn you, this fucking computer. I don't understand what, why it keeps doing that. Go to my Instagram page, uh, at complaintspod. You can go to my, oh Jesus, what are you doing? Fuck you. you and again, you probably didn't hear that noise either, but whatever. Go to my Instagram page, at complaintspod. My Twitter page as well, at Complaints Pod. You can check that out. I do have a Facebook page, but fuck Facebook. I have a YouTube page that I don't do anything with. Uh, I have a Twitch page that I can't figure out. And a TikTok page that I don't use. So all those things, all those things. I also have a voicemail line. Uh, please call in 617-657-4736. Call in with a complaint or an observation. That's the point. The point of the voicemail line is for you to call in. Okay, and I got one from from Donnie, um, my my pal Donnie Washburn. I'm gonna have to save that for the next show because uh, I had the interview. So I'm sorry, I'm sorry, Donnie. Please don't think that I neglected you. It's not it. I would never. I would never. Um, what else? Yeah, six one seven six five seven four seven three six. Check out the website, complaintsandobservations.com. I do have a blog up there. I do put up a new blog each Friday. They're all just as bad as this show. Uh, what else do I have? You can email me, showmail, at complaintsandobservations.com. <laughs> I don't think I have anything else. I have a bunch of uh, mediums, right? But uh, but this show is terrible. <laughs> if you want to be on the show... Let me know. Uh, it's gonna hopefully we'll, we'll have a soccer show uh, once we get to the end of the season. So that'll be about a month or so with my my dear friends Ian and Al. Looking forward to that. Uh, should be good. We were supposed to do it a few weeks ago, and then I completely botched it because I'm a terrible person. But uh, yeah. So <clears throat> thank you very much. As always, please tell your friends. Uh, tell your moms. Uh, what do I say after this? Oh, take care of yourself. Take care of each other. <laughs> Godspeed. Ta-ta. <laughs>